morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship. Today, I want to talk with you about a storm that Jesus and his disciples found themselves in. There's an outline entitled, Jesus Calms the Storm. If you need a pen, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will be glad to bring one to you uh, so you can take some notes and fill in the blanks as we go along. Um, this begins a series that we've entitled, you saw from that little video there, that uh, we're starting a series called Storm Stories. There are a number of stories in the Bible where the disciples or the Apostle Paul or somebody else got caught in a storm, or Jonah and others got caught in a storm, and we're going to talk about those and what we can learn from those. So since they were stories about storms, we thought we'd call it Storm Stories. There you go. We're, we're terribly creative. You, you know, we just go way out there. Um, but the idea is that we want to learn from these things, because every one of us in our lives, we're going to go through physical storms. I mean, it is April in Alabama, okay? So we're going to go through storms. But we're also going to go through other kinds of difficulties and things that can be absolutely terrifying. Maybe a, a, a relationship breakdown. Maybe a, a business reversal. Maybe a bad diagnosis. I don't know. Maybe we lose a loved one. And we're going to go through storms in our lives. And it's important today that we learn some lessons to see once how the disciples dealt with a storm when Jesus was with them. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. There's not a one of us that's not going to go through storms in our lives. And we're not talking about just the weather, Father. We're talking about all kinds of setbacks and terrifying things, things that have us completely confused and bewildered and wondering where you are. So, Father, I pray that you'll give us confidence and encouragement today. I pray that you will speak to us from your word and you'll move me out of the way and say whatever you want said in our lives. Teach us from this wonderful example of how you dealt with a storm and what the disciples needed to learn from it. In the name of Christ, I pray these things. Amen. Amen. One evening, Jesus and his disciples were caught in a terrible storm. This is from Mark's gospel. It's also record, recorded in Matthew and in Luke. So each one of the, all three of those gospel writers felt like this was a terribly important story. So we need to listen to it. As evening came, Jesus had been teaching crowds of people, by the way, next to the Sea of Galilee. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat, and they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. So it was kind of a little uh, flotilla here. Jesus and the disciples are in one boat, and some others are following behind. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. This isn't just a little rainstorm, a little squall here. This is a big-time storm. It was a fierce storm. And Jesus and the disciples are right in the middle of it one evening. Now, there's a point I want to make right out of the gate here is this. Jesus never promised to keep us from experiencing storms. If you turn on a late-night television or go on the right websites, you can find people say, hey, you come to Jesus, and if you send a big check to me, then I can promise you that you will never have problems again. If you love our Heavenly Father, if He's our Heavenly Father, well, what father ever wants his kids to have problems? So... I'll pray for you, and then you'll never have problems again. If you've heard that before, you've heard that God never wants us to go through difficulty, and that Jesus promised we never would have problems in our lives, well, how do you square this story? I mean, the disciples aren't just in a relationship with Jesus. They're sitting right next to him in the boat, and they're going through a terrible storm. Jesus, in fact, did the exact opposite. In John 16, 33... He's talking to his disciples. He has told them that he will be crucified. He's told them that he's going to go prepare a place for them in heaven. And then when everything's ready, he's going to come get them. He let them know exactly what was going to be happening. And they were pretty upset. And he told them not to be upset. 
And he said, I want to tell you why here, because here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Jesus never said that we wouldn't have storms or difficulty or go through scary things. He said you're going to have many trials in this world. But I have overcome the world. And that's one of the lessons they're going to learn out of this storm story today, is that Jesus is stronger than the storms we face. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? Amen. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons they went through it, with him there. So don't ever get talked into this. I mean, there are people that I know, they go, well, I used to go to church, but then I had a business reversal, or I had a bad thing happen in a relationship with someone, or I prayed for something, I didn't get the answer, and if there's a God in heaven, then I know he would never want me to experience pain. He would never want me to go through such scary things. And I always remind people all the time, now wait a minute, if you're talking about a place where there's no more crying or no more tears, no more pain, no more fear, no more death ever again, that's heaven. We're not there yet. We live in a fallen world where our world is going to pieces and the devil tempts people to sin and there are evil people in this world that cause a lot of pain and suffering. This is not heaven, but heaven is real and Jesus has made a way possible for us to get there. But we're not there yet and so we shouldn't be surprised that if we live in a fallen world, we will face storms. And there's a life application for you and me out of this. God often uses difficulties and trials to strengthen our character. I mean, amidst those storms, and you can also write in faith on that too, because you'll see that today too. Both. Both are true. Paul talked about this in Romans 5. He said, look, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us. They develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. I remember taking a class in college. I had the hardest section on a physics class where it was, oh my goodness, this teachers wore us out. You know what class I learned the most in all throughout my time in college? That class. Sometimes the hardest professor is the one who teaches you the most. Can anybody else verify that besides me? Yeah, that sometimes you find out about yourself and you find out about how much you want to learn. It's the same way with God. We go through hard times. Sometimes we go through those hard times. We discover a lot about him and a lot about ourselves. And you'll see both of those things happen here in this story with these disciples today. But never believe that a relationship with God means we won't go through storms. Jesus was in the boat with them. And they weren't just following behind in a boat. These weren't the people who were off some distance from Jesus. These were the people right in there in the boat with him. Well, John, if Jesus never promised to keep us from experiencing storms, then what did he promise? He promised to always be with us. He promised to be with us always. That's what he promised. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son. And they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's Matthew 1.23. And Matthew is uh, really quoting there from Isaiah 7.14. And you go, well, John, that's a, that's a Christmas verse. You can't read that in April. That only counts the first three Sundays of December. Okay, Emmanuel. Well, it doesn't. This is Jesus' name. This is another one of his names in the Bible. And a name in the Bible was given because that was his character, God with us. That's how you recognize Jesus, God with us. Not just as a baby at Christmas time, but forever. Jesus said, Jesus promised this to his disciples. Right before he sent them out to go tell the whole world, or as he was telling them to go out and spread the gospel throughout the world, he said, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even in the end of the age. Would you read that verse with me, please? And be sure of this. 
I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God is always with us. That's what he promised. I mean, we live in a fallen world. Look, I grew up on a farm in Kansas, and we have, you may have heard there are tornadoes in Kansas. It's true. I can verify it, okay? Those storms happen. I grew up in a wood frame house that my great-grandfather built around 1900. And uh, my brother and I and our four sisters, we all lived in rooms upstairs in the house. I mean, we had rooms in the upstairs of the house. My mom and dad had a bedroom downstairs. And every now and then, we'd have a terrible storm that would pass through at night. And I remember my mom would come to the base of the stairs. She'd go, kids, you've got to come down. It's, it's a terrible storm that's coming. There's a tornado coming. You've got to come down now. And we'd all run down the steps, and then we'd go down into a basement. We had a cellar down beneath there. My mom stored all the vegetables she'd canned and other things down there. And, and we'd all huddle down there while the storm was passing over. And you could hear the thunder roaring and the... Um, lightning flashing and the trees were swaying back and forth outside under heavy wind and there were big timbers that held this whole house together and they'd be creaking and groaning the whole house would be straining in the wind and man it was terrifying down there and my mom and dad would be down there with us and my mom would lead us in a word of prayer and she'd go oh lord jesus just please keep us safe you're stronger than the storm just keep us safe well was she wrong i mean To do so? Of course not. Well, why wasn't she angry at God? God, why'd you ever allow a storm to come? Well, I mean, if if Christians wouldn't have to endure tornadoes, there wouldn't be any Christians in Kansas. Okay, I mean, (laughs) tornadoes are going to come. And yet we act surprised when we have to go through storms in our lives. I mean, God needs us to be his ambassadors of good news in a fallen world. We live in a broken world. Can we all agree on that? And there will be disappointments in our lives personally, collectively as Christians. Maybe you're concerned like I am too. Our culture has turned hostile toward a lot of things that we hold dear. And I can cower in fear and so can you, or we can surrender these problems to God. But we must never make the mistake, well, if there's a God in heaven, then we shouldn't have to go through this. It's like, no, that's one of the reasons this story is in the Bible. Jesus says he'll take care of us through the storms. He's with us always in the good times and the bad. Paul was convinced of this. He said in Romans 8, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, death or life or angels or demons or fears for today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above, storms or earth below indeed. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. If that's good news, would you say amen? Amen. Yeah, because he's always with us. Even in the storms. So there's no other lesson you take from this today. You and I need to get over the fact that if we go through difficulties on this side of eternity, that somehow God's failed or our faith isn't right. That's not true. The disciples went through a storm with Jesus in the boat with them. Well, the story goes on. It's point two. The disciples were terrified that they were all going to drown. And this is saying something as the story unfolds, because you've got to realize Peter and his brother Andrew and James and John, a couple of their friends, they were all experienced fishermen. They'd been out on the sea many times, and you would assume they'd been out in bad weather. So this must have been a humdinger. I mean, this was a, I think that's the technical term for it. Okay. 
Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion, and the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Now this wasn't, don't misinterpret this, oh, well, Jesus will know how to fix this, so Jesus get up and, and um, fix this. Uh, that wasn't the case. This is early in the ministry where they are just figuring out who Jesus is. The only thing they want to do is wake him up because they thought they were all goners and they couldn't believe Jesus was sleeping. And he's like, what are you doing sleeping? Can't you see we're going to drown here? They were scared to death. And if experienced fishermen are scared to death, it's a bad storm. And let me just make a comment here too. Isn't it, I hope you catch the irony in this. We just passed Easter where... A couple of weeks ago, we talked about that Jesus had taken a few of the disciples when he'd gone to the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was crucified. He'd gone off to pray. He'd taken some of the disciples with him. He said, I want you to stay awake with me and pray. And they couldn't even do it for one hour. These are the same guys going, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? How can you be sleeping at a time like this? Those same guys were the ones later when Jesus was saying, I need you to pray with me. They couldn't keep their eyes open. Jesus, by the way, wasn't sleeping just because he was tired. He was sleeping soundly because he had faith in God. In the margin, if you'd write Psalm 4, Psalm 4, verse 8, you need to remember this. This is an important verse here. In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. That's Psalm 4, 8. In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Jesus knew that verse. Jesus lived that verse. In the middle of a storm, he could sleep soundly because he knew his heavenly Father was watching over him even when he was in deep sleep. Do you know that? Do I know that? Can we lie down and sleep in security knowing that our Heavenly Father is watching over us and even if we go through a hard time, he sees we're going through it. He's with us always. Jesus knew that. The disciples didn't. And that's why they are freaking out. Full panic mode. That's what's going on here. Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Well, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the water, Silence! Be still! Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other, that even the wind and the waves obey him? I mean, I always picture this storm happening, I mean, this episode happening where the the sea has been rolling, The lake is just tossed, and there are waves coming over. The boat is just bouncing back and forth. And Jesus says, quiet down. And all of a sudden, the waves stop, and the boat just drops. And the sea is perfectly calm, and the stars are out. And if you're one of the disciples, you have chills running all over you going, who is that guy? I mean, that would be terrifying. I mean, who does that? And it's all crashing in on them. The waves had been crashing in on them. What's crashing in on them now was they're standing in the presence of an all-powerful being. And that brings us to point A. The disciples had underestimated Jesus' ability to handle their crisis. I mean, they'd seen him do some miracles. He'd done some amazing teaching. But come on. I mean, this is the weather. Who can control the weather? Well, God can. In Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Paul wrote that in Colossians 2.9. You could also look up John chapter 1 where John tells us that nothing was made except through Christ. Everything that was made was made through him. 
And so it's not saying too much to say that Jesus knew exactly how the storm was put together. He was God in the flesh. And Psalm 89 reminds us that where is there anyone as mighty as you, O Lord? You rule the oceans. You subdue their storm-tossed waves. Jesus knew how to calm the storm because Jesus knows where the off switch is for storms. He invented rain. It's not a problem for him. And that's why he's asking disciples, you guys aren't getting this, are you? I mean, you still have a problem believing this? Why do you have so little faith? Do you not know who I am? When the angel had announced to Mary that she'd be having a child, even though she was a virgin, Mary asked, how can this be? And Gabriel told her, for nothing is impossible with God. Would you read that with me, please? For nothing is impossible with God. One more time. For nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that? Do I believe that? I mean, that's the question, and that's the life application here. We, you and I, must trust that Jesus is able to handle our crises. And I didn't, that's not a misspelling. I didn't just put crisis there. The crises. We'll go through more than one problem in our lives, okay? The question is, Will you and I believe that Jesus is able to handle our crises? Now, I wish I had a couple of hours to unpack some stuff for you today, and I don't, and I know you're all glad for that, so I, uh, I'll just tell you that right off, right off the shoot here. But I, I wish I could read you the next whole chapter. This is the end of Mark chapter 4. Well, here's what comes next Next in Mark chapter 5. After they, the storm is calmed and the disciples get to the other side of the lake, as soon as they land on the other side of the lake, there is a demon-possessed crazy man who comes running out of a cemetery, screaming and howling at them. And the demons inside the man are speaking to Jesus, asking him to have mercy on them. He casts out the, demon, the demons out of this man who had a herd of pigs that run down the hillside and drown. The local people are frightened of him, and they tell him, go away. So Jesus crosses over back to the other side of the lake again, when he gets to the other side, there's a huge crowd waiting from there. There's a woman who's been bleeding internally for 12 years. This is all happening here in Mark 5. This is the next 24 hours after this event. And there's a whole crowd, and she sneaks up behind Jesus and touches his robe. Instantly, she's healed, and Jesus knows it and confronts her about it. And the disciples see it. And while he is confronting this woman and telling her that her faith has made her well, a man who's been asking Jesus to come and heal his daughter, a synagogue leader by the name of Jairus, a friend of his comes up and says, hey, leave Jesus alone, Jairus. Your daughter has died. And Jesus goes, no, no. Just believe. It'll be okay. And he goes to Jairus' house and he raises the girl from the dead. So back to back to back to back to back, you have all these stories happening. The disciples see him calm the storm because Jesus is stronger than the wind and the waves. They get to the other side, and the demons freak out when they see Jesus. Never think Jesus would be scared by the demons. The demons are terrified of him. And Jesus cast them out. And it wasn't just a guy who had a few mental issues. This was a guy who was possessed with demons. And Jesus cast them out because he's stronger than the devil. And then they go back across the lake, and there's a woman who doesn't have a paper cut, She's been bleeding internally for 12 years, has spent everything she has on doctors and is no better. She's even gotten worse. And yet one touch from Jesus and she's healed. 
Because Jesus is stronger than sickness. And then there's a man there whose daughter has been sick and she dies and Jesus raises her from the dead because Jesus is stronger than death. He's stronger than death. He's stronger than sickness. He's stronger than the devil. He's stronger than the wind and the waves. And the question is, is he strong enough to handle your crisis and mine? That's why this story's in here. Don't miss it. The disciples were in a storm. The disciples came face to face with a man filled with demons. The disciples saw the woman who'd been sick for all those years. The disciples saw the girl raised from the dead. Believe. The question is, are you and I going to believe? Are we going to believe? Or are we going to cower in fear? And be like the disciples. Because that's what happens sometimes. We're just like them. We go through a crisis in our life and we're going through some hard times. We go, Jesus, are you sleeping? What are you doing here? Wake up! And they learned that that storm was no match for him. The devil's no match for him. Death itself is no match for him. That brings us to this scripture, Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Yeah, if we bring our problems to Him instead of worrying about them ourselves. And we say it here many times. If you're going to worry, don't pray. If you're going to pray, don't worry. Pick one. I think I'll choose worry today. Because that always helps, right? And yet we do. We worry. And you can tell the disciples, you know, they've been bailing and stuff. Jesus, don't you care? Well, of course I do. Calm down. And that brings us to the next point here, point B. Now the disciples were afraid of him. They're terrified of him. Because they had not yet understood who he was. The disciples, they didn't know Jesus well enough to have faith or confidence in him. They didn't know him well enough. And so point A, they didn't underestimate him. Point B, they didn't know him well enough. I think those are two errors we can fall into all the time. We underestimate that God can handle our problems. Yeah, he might have been able to handle problems in Bible times, but not anymore. Or we don't know Jesus as well as we say we do. We don't really believe he is who he says he is. Because they were coming face to face with the fact, yeah, they kind of give an intellectual assent that he was a great prophet. But now it's like, okay, you're more than that. You're God. I mean, only God can do this. And it terrified them because they were standing in the presence of God. A few chapters later in Mark, uh, there's a man who has a demon-possessed son. He brings him to Jesus The disciples haven't been able to help him, so he's not sure whether Jesus can either. And the man brings his son to uh, his demon-possessed son, and he says this, Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. And the disciples were at the same place. Lord, don't you care we're going to drown? Be still. 
And if you're thinking I'm making too much out of this, going, well, they knew who Jesus was. Really? Then why was their question, who is this man? I mean, if they knew him so well, why were they asking, who are you? And we need to ask ourselves, do we know Jesus as well as we would claim to? Do we really believe he's the son of God, the creator of heaven and earth? Do we really believe that all power is given to him? Isaiah asks this question. It's a question he's asking everyone. It applies to us. This is from Isaiah 40. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak, strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They'll soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. They didn't know Jesus well enough to have confidence in him. And I'd just like to break that out. Confidence is from a Latin word, confidere. And this is similar, this last part here is next to, is similar or equivalent to fidele. Or if you're familiar with the Marine Corps motto, motto, semper fi, that's supposed to be an I, semper fideles, always faithful. Confidere would be the same as confidele, to have faith. So if I have confidence, I have faith that Jesus can see me through the storms. Would you and I consider ourselves confident or pretty wishy-washy? Well, yeah, Jesus answered some prayers last year, but I don't know if he's any good in 2016. Hmm. This one's a biggie. And that's one of the reasons we see Jesus and the disciples going through storm after demon possession, after illness, after death. Bang, 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 bang. Trust me. Know me. Have confidence in me. Do you not know? Have you not heard? He's the everlasting God. All power is given to him. Here's a life application for you and me. The best way we can grow in our faith is to grow in our relationship with God. To grow in our relationship with Him. I mean, how am I going to have confidence in you if I don't know you? How are you going to trust me? How are you going to have faith in me if you don't know who I am? Well, you won't. I won't have trust in you either. So I'm going to have to spend time with Jesus and get to know him so I can trust him. So will you. Four simple steps we talk about here at Centerpoint all the time is to surrender, listen, pray, obey. We come to a problem, we want to surrender that problem to God. We want to listen to what uh, he tells us through good counsel, through his word. We want to pray about those issues and we want to obey whatever he tells us to do. I want to read my Bible every day. And before I begin, say, Lord, I'm going to expect you to speak to me today. And whatever you tell me today, just give me the strength to obey. I'll listen. And Lord, show me how to carry it out. I want to surrender my day to you before I ever start. I mean, imagine if we lived that way. We spent time with him in his word. We spent time around his people. We spent time surrendering our problems to him so we would understand all the things he's doing in our lives. And we'd understand 
why all these stories are in the Bible in the first place. Well, then our faith would grow because we'd know him better. And that's what God wants us to do. I mean, I loved it. This last Christmas, my, uh, I had a friend, Debbie and I have a mutual friend, and she works at a clothing store that I know that Debbie likes. And so I called her and said, hey, I want to come pick out a couple of things for Debbie. Can you pick out a few things first that you think she'll like? And then I'll come there and pick out a couple that I can give her for Christmas. And so um, this friend did, and I walked up there and I found two things right away. And some of you as men are going, I can't believe you bought your wife clothing. That's the dumbest thing ever. Yes, it's a disaster. And I went, no, no, no. I've been married to this woman for 30 years. I, confidence is high, Houston. Confidence is high. Okay. I know what she likes. But man, the first year we were married, I would have had no such confidence. In fact, I did try that, and I won't go into how bad that turned out. Okay, but how bad that went. But it's different now because I know her, and I know what things she likes. And one of the things I got her, it's got a deep green in there that really pulls the green out of her eyes, and she's got red hair. And, okay, well, I'll get back to this story anyway, but it was, it's really good. Imagine if we knew Jesus that way. We know what he thinks about relationships. We know what he thinks about money. We know what he thinks about life. We know what he thinks about death. We know what he thinks about forgiveness. We know what he thinks about hardship. And we know because we've read the Bible and we've prayed about this and we've surrendered these things in our lives. We do it with faith. Our confidence is high because we know him. My friends, that's the way God wants us to live. That's why these stories are in the Bible. Jesus said, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me because they love me. My Father will love them. I will love them and reveal myself to each one of them. God reveals more of himself the more time we spend with him and the more we obey. Every time we surrender and listen and pray and obey, God reveals more of himself to us. And that's how our faith grows. Our faith grows when our relationship grows. So when we're asking to read the Bible and we're asking to surrender, promise him, the reason why is that's, what, that's how we work in a relationship with him. God wants us to know him and trust him. He's always with us, even when we go through storms. Point three, I just want to cap it and repeat this one more time. God is able to use storms in our lives to help us know him better. I want to challenge your thinking with this. What could ever be good about going through a thing like the disciples went, went through? A terrifying episode when they thought they were all going to drown. Well, they came to know Jesus better. I mean, that's why Matthew, Mark, and Luke all wrote it down. You've you got to know this. You've got to know this about Jesus. I mean, this is what we learned. He's God. Paul learned this too when he went through a hard time. 2 Corinthians 1, he wrote, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we'd never live through it. Continues at the top of the next page. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength, or our own wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead. Any amens on that one? Yeah. And he did it. He rescued us from certain doom, and he'll do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, a guy who had a vision of Jesus himself on the road to Damascus, and Jesus had said he was going to send him out as his chosen messenger 
to reach the Gentile world. Paul knew all that, and he said, and he still had to learn it. And he said, I want you to know about that trouble we went through, and we thought we weren't going to make it through. We thought we were going to die, just like the disciples in the boat. Turned out, best thing for us. Because then we got, we got it off of, out of our heads that this was all depending upon our own wits and our own strategies to do this. And we depended on Jesus, and that's a smart thing to do anyway. Now, if that was a smart thing for Paul to learn, and that was a smart thing for the disciples to learn, I'm thinking it's a smart thing for John Schmidt to learn. Any agreement on that? And if it's a good thing for John Schmidt to learn, it's a good thing for you to learn. Because we're all in this together. You and I will have storms in our life. Jesus never promised us we would never have storms. He did promise he would always be with us. He just wants us to have confidence, faith, that he'll see us through. He's God, and there's no problem he cannot handle. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for stories, even of storms. And I thank you, Lord, the disciples were right with Jesus, and they were stunned that he could sleep so soundly in the middle of a storm. But he trusted you, Lord, and at that time in their faith walk, they didn't. God, I pray that you would help us trust you more. If you would like to trust God more with your head bowed right now, say, God, would you help me trust you more? Would you please help me increase my faith? If you're going through a hard time right now, would you say, God, I want to surrender this hard time to you. I need your help with this. You know I don't know how to deal with this financial problem or health concern or relationship issue or whatever it is. I don't know how to solve this. But Lord, you do. Please help me. I surrender this to you. God, we thank you that you're stronger than storms. You can calm raging seas. We thank you, Lord, you are stronger than the devil. The demons begged that you would not torture them. They were afraid of you. Lord, we thank you that you are stronger than illness. And you are the great healer. And we thank you, Lord, that you are stronger than death itself. And you proved that when you rose from the grave on Easter Sunday. And Lord, if you're stronger than storms, and you're stronger than the devil, and you're stronger than illness, and you're stronger than death, then why am I so afraid? Speak to our hearts, Lord. Encourage us. So we can face the future unafraid. We thank you that you are always more ready to listen than we are to pray. And we thank you, Lord, that even though we often give up on you, you don't give up on us. Hear our prayers now. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, the Son of God. Amen.